Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing But Sports Podcast. I'm Rahil Jaswal. It has been a while since we have uploaded on a Saturday. I uploaded um, Wednesday evening because me, Eddie, and Tim, me, Eddie Kalegi, and Tim Moore did a whole mock draft that's the longest episode, an hour and a half. We did an entire mock draft for the first round, but it has been a while since we have uploaded on a on a weekend. So um, here we are. We are back. It is currently 4 o'clock on Saturday. And um, yeah, let's we're going to get into it. So the first couple, we have two topics to talk about today. They're both NFL related. We're going to first touch on the Aaron Rodgers situation. And then we're going to do some NFL draft first and second round recap. Because I, th- I, th- I feel like a lot of interesting things happened in the second round that a lot of people are not talking about. So let's get it. Let's get it started. Let's start with, let's start with, let's start with the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. So Adam Schefter dropped an absolute bomb on draft night saying that Aaron Rodgers does not want to come back to the Green Bay Packers. He said that he is completely disgruntled with the situation, that they haven't done anything to fix it, and he wants out. Oh my goodness, is this huge. Green Bay, I don't know how you've done this. I don't know how you've made the league MVP so angry that he has wanted to leave. Oh, I know, actually. You drafted Jordan Love. I mean, this all stems back to when you drafted Jordan Love two years ago. You could have done so much in that draft. You could have drafted Patrick Queen, Denzel Mims. You could have even gone in the direction of offensive line. Or you, you could have literally done anything and he would have been fine, but you chose to draft his replacement. Um, I mean, Packers GM, Packers, you wanted this, right? Hey, you wanted, hey, hey yeah, let's draft, let's draft Jordan Love. He can sit behind Aaron Rodgers, then we can get Aaron Rodgers out and prepare for the future. Isn't this what you wanted? You wanted Aaron Rodgers to, you wanted Jordan Love to get, get his shot? Here we go, he's going to get a shot next year. <laughs> there is no way he comes back. Now there's... I mean, so many things that the Packers, you know, they don't want to trade Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is our guy. It's a bunch of, you know, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to trade him. Now, granted, question is, where does he go? And a lot of people are throwing out Denver. And realistically, the only team that I could see him going to in any reality is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know I might sound, I might sound crazy for that, but here's why he might go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if you're... If you're, um, I mean, here's why. Here's why I feel like he goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? They have a good offense. I know that's hard to say, but they have a lot of good offensive weapons. If you look at that offense, now granted, they don't have a Devontae Adams wide receiver, but they have an upgrade. Um, you, you replaced Big Ben with Aaron Rodgers, okay? Juju Smith-Schuster is an upgrade from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Chase Claypool is an upgrade from Aaron Lazard. Okay? There are your two wide receivers. Okay? Tight end. Eric Ebron. I don't know if he's an upgrade from Robert Tunyon, but he sure has potential. Okay? If they can figure out the drops, James Washington and Deontay Johnson could be good deep threat guys. They could be NVS's 2.0. And that's a lot of good weapons if you're the Steelers. And especially with Aaron Rodgers' ability to make average wide receivers look above average. He's managed to turn Aaron Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling into two top two targets on the number one offensive team. Imagine what he could do with guys like Juju Smith-Schuster 
and Chase Claypool, who are already considered top 20, top 25 wide receivers. He could make it maybe even top 10. I mean, Chase Claypool has an unbelievable, is unbelievably talented. Granted, we can say all we want, that he was salty, they lost the Browns, yeah. But he is, he is unbelievable. He had, a nick, he had a knack for finding the end zone. He can make those splash plays and contested balls that, ben, ben, that big Ben Roethlisberger cannot throw the ball down the field. Aaron Rodgers can make those throws. Juju Smith can work in the slot as well and in the outside. And then maybe Deontay Washington and, uh, I mean, sorry, Deontay Johnson and James Washington could be your speedy outside receivers. And you also have a new running back in Najee Harris who can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can be your classic pounded-in guy, pound the rock, and give the Steelers some stability on the run game, which they haven't had for a while. So Pittsburgh is a real likely situation. Also, that defense is still pretty good. Granted, you did lost, but you lost Bud Dupree. You need something to do about that. But you have you have T.J. Watt. You have a you know Robert Spillane. You have you have Devin Bush. You have um, Joe Hayden, great cornerback. These are some really good guys that you can that you can that Aaron Rodgers could definitely make a lot of noise with. You also have a very good coach in Mike Tomlin who has the ability to bring the best out of people. So he can and granted if Aaron Rodgers goes there, I know the cap situation's not great, but I mean you can really you can really get rid of Ben Roethlisberger. I mean Ben Roethlisberger in my opinion is could be what's weighing I don't know if he's what weighing the Steelers down is, but if you can pick up Aaron Rodgers in this deal, because think about it, Ben Roethlisberger is going to hit the cliff eventually. I think it'll probably happen maybe at the end of this season. We look at guys from his draft class in 2004. Last year, Eli Manning decided to call it a career. This year, Philip Rivers, who had a pretty good season, decided to call it a career. I feel like Ben Roethlisberger is going to go soon. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, I still believe, can play for another three, four seasons. Maybe even five if he's lucky. If he keeps his body in the shape that Tom Brady does, I don't think he'll be able to play, you know, to how old Brady is. I think Brady's 42 right now. Rodgers is 36. So I feel like Aaron Rodgers, he has a good four or five years left on his deal. On his uh, Four or five years left. And with this Steelers team you're building, you're built to win now. Now, it'll be tough because you have a very tough division, but he can really do some damage with that Steelers team. You don't think... If they had Aaron Rodgers this season, that I think they could have won the Super Bowl. I genuinely think that. I genuinely think they could have won the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. I genuinely think that, and I, and I, yeah, firmly believe that. So why not try it again? Why not try go to Pittsburgh if you're completely disgruntled with Green Bay? Go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's probably got one of the better friends. Pittsburgh had you know has some stability. And I think they'll listen to your every need if they're if they're deciding to mortgage your future. So that's it. But Green Bay, you really messed up. And this makes me really I mean, this makes makes you look at the different way people treat their star players. Especially Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady wanted Antonio Brown. Boom. We got you. Tom Brady comes. Oh, he wants offensive line help. Boom. We got you. Tom Brady wanted Leonard Fournette. Boom. We got you. Tom Brady wanted Shady McCoy. Boom, we're gonna get him. Where where is that for Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. Oh, um, okay. I, you know, I would like a you know, I would like a run stopper, someone who can stop the run, or I'd like a receiver. Oh, yeah, like, yeah let, let's do that. Jordan Love. Here you go. <laughs> like I, I just don't. I mean, it it's 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 just sad to see the way that the Packers have really treated Aaron Rodgers. Um, and granted, Aaron Rodgers, a lot of people could be saying he's a diva, 
And I think that, it, and you know what? I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. I, I kind of agree. I think it's a, um, in the middle situation because it seems like everyone has forgotten that Aaron Rodgers was a part of the reason that they didn't win that NFC title game. You can say it all you want, but it was a reason because the defense got three straight interceptions on Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers could only muster up three points. And people are going to say, oh, Matt LaFleur didn't go for it on the fourth down play. And yes, that is true. But on the previous second down, third down play, Aaron Rodgers had a sprint to the left right corner of the end zone, which he probably could have made or at least gotten close, which would have made LaFleur have to go for it no matter what. And also, you could see the reasoning in LaFleur deciding to kick the field goal. Now, I wouldn't have done it. I would have done it against any other quarterback who's not Tom Brady. But you can see the decision. You can see it. You can see the decision-making. You can see why he did it. So in that situation, in people saying, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he he had nothing to know. He, he did have a lot to do with the Packers losing that NFC title game. And people saying, you know, why aren't they drafting wide receivers right now? Granted, wide receiver is not the biggest of needs right now because they had the number one scoring offense. Now, if you're deciding to move on from Rodgers, then I do think you need wide receivers because I don't think Jordan Love's going to be able to make Aaron Lazard and MVS look as good as they are. So that's why I'm kind of, you know, but again, Packers really forced this on themselves last year when they decided to draft Jordan Love. They really could have used Grant, you know, Patrick Green or Grant Delp, some, Grant Delp at something like that. They could have really used that, especially considering the way they got manhandled in the NFC Championship game. But the past is the past. Let's move on. Let's move on to a couple days ago, draft night. And boy, oh boy, was it an exciting draft. I've written down a couple things I want to talk about. So I haven't written down the correct order, but let's talk about um, let's talk about the first situation. Let's talk about the three quarterbacks. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Mac Jones, just uh, Trey Lance is the first to go from those three because I'm not going to talk about um, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson because that was expected and no one is surprised that that happened. But let's talk about Trey Lance uh, going number three. Wow, what a risk this is for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I I think it was I think it was the right move considering that they were looking between Mac Jones and Trey Lance because I think. If anyone has the most likely chance of being a bust in this draft, I think it is Mac Jones. Um, Trey Lance has got unbelievable potential. I mean, you look at his highlights from North Dakota State. He is, he's doing everything. He's making the tough throws. He's making the smart decisions. And he's running people over. He's putting his body on the line. He is doing all of that perfectly. He's extremely athletic and came from absolutely out of nowhere. However, he only has about 18 or 19 games of tape to analyze. And that's a pretty small sample size when you've cons- when you're considering how much they gave up to get him. Remember, they were the- they had the 12th pick in the draft and then they traded up with Miami with the Dolphins who then traded back up to 6, but they traded up with the Miami Dolphins and gave up I think a- probably two or three first round picks. So they've mortgaged their first, you know, next 2-3 years foreseeable future. And this team is only, uh, you know, a year or two removed from going to the Super Bowl in which Jimmy G, if he makes one throw, they win the Super Bowl. So it's not like this team is in a rebuild mode. This team definitely has the weapons to do it again. Their defense last year, they're completely ravished by injury. You know, they weren't even that bad this season. I think they still won five or six games. 
And that's pretty impressive considering you look at how many quarterbacks and how many times they had to run through injuries. Nick Bosa got beat up. So did Solomon Thomas. George Kittle was in and out of the lineup. The running back core was completely deflated, um, was completely gone. Raheem Mostert had to go in. Tevin Coleman, the good, you know, a trusty backup, had to go in and out of the lineup. So did Jaron McKinnon. He had to somehow take over the load. Um, you know, Wilson, you know, who looked like a good temporary second, third back gets injured. There was so left, right, and center. Jimmy G was in and out of the lineup as well. There were so many. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel was out for most of the season. Literally everywhere you turned, there was injuries on this team. Give me, give me one position where there weren't injuries on this team. I, I, you know, and also, you had to rotate between Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard just because they weren't very good. Nick Mullins is absolute garbage. I don't know why he was starting. It should have been C.J. Beathard the whole time, but... So yeah, you look at that, and it, you you stick. Now, granted, I don't think Trey Lance, and the, I, I think the main reason they haven't traded Jimmy Garoppolo yet is because I do not think Trey Lance is a day one NFL starter. He is not ready just yet. Only because he's played, he's only played 19 games. He is not ready, and I personally don't think any of these QBs, maybe besides Trevor Lawrence, will be day one starters. I don't think Mac Jones will be the day one starter. In um in Philadelphia, Philadelphia in New England, and I don't think that um that Justin Fields will be the day one starter in the in Chicago. I think Andy Dalton will still start week one, and that's saying a lot because these guys are all talented. Um, granted, I mean maybe Zach Wilson is the day one starter with the New York Jets, but I'm not just because they don't really have many other options. But I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. The only um, I think Zach Wilson, the best chance, you know, Zach Wilson and maybe Trey Lan- um, jo- uh, Trevor Lawrence are the number one, are starters day one for their team. But the other three, I don't think any of them are going to start day one. But yeah, this is, um, I, Mac Jones would have been the safer pick, but I like, I personally, if I were the 49ers, I would have gone with Justin Fields at number three. I think Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in this draft, I just think that people hate on him and he has slipped for no reason. And people tend to bring up the games like, oh, look how bad he was against Indiana. And I'm not excusing that. He was pretty bad against Indiana. But Indiana had a really good defense this year. They had a top 12 defense in the country. And because Indiana is not such a huge football program, people look at that game and be like, oh, what happened there? Well, Indiana had a great defense. You know, maybe his worst game wasn't a big game, wasn't the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern, and he really struggled in that game. I think only threw for 144 yards and an interception. And people were like, oh, wait, what happened? Did Justin Fields just crumble in a big game? And granted, he did not play well, but keep in mind, Northwestern, I'm pretty sure, also had a top 15 defense in the country, so they were no slouches either. I think they're also the number nine, I think they were also ranked number nine or number 10. And Justin Fields was missing his best two or three receivers, because of COVID. So it's not like... And he also had the thumb in... He also had the finger injury. So he was playing hurt against a good defense without its, without his top couple weapons. And I don't think his best... I don't think their number one running back was there. That was the game that Trey Sermon went absolutely crazy and went for over 300 yards. But his, his, lead, his lead running back, I don't think he was there either. So that being said, it would be understandable if he had a bad game. And people are thinking, oh, you know, maybe, no, maybe it's just him. He's not set for the big lights. Look what he did in the national, in the college football semifinal against Trevor Lawrence's Clemson. Lit them up for six, lit up a Dabo Sweeney defense 
for six touchdowns and 350-plus yards in an absolute blowout victory in response to that. And then in the national championship game, he played pretty well. Um, but I just, just Alabama was just too, um, too much for them. Alabama was clearly just the, the more talented team. And, you know, it would have taken maybe a miracle for that Ohio State team to beat them. I even predict, you know, I, I put on my podcast, like, you know, I, um, it was just not possible for them to beat Alabama. So you, you keep, keep all that aside. I just don't know why he slipped. But I'm um, happy for Trey Lance. I do think he deserved, I do think he was better than Matt. I, if I were, this would have been my order. My order would have been Justin, F- would have been uh, Trevor Lawrence at number one. Justin Fields at number two, then maybe Zach Wilson at three, Trey Lance at four. Actually, no, Trey Lance at three, Zach Wilson at four, and uh, Mac Jones at five. So if we were redoing this, let's say the first two picks happened guaranteed. I probably would have gone Justin Fields to the Niners, then to the um, New England Patriots. I would have stuck with Mac. I would have had Mac Jones going to the New England Patriots as well, but I would have had Trey Lance maybe going to the bears in this situation because they traded up but um yeah that's my spiel on that and so let's talk now about um speaking of the bears they got justin fields they got the second best quarterback in this draft um brilliant uh it's a it's a big show of desperation and who wouldn't be different um desperate if you're ryan pace and matt Nagy because they're they're hanging on by one limb if this experiment doesn't work they don't at least get to the wild card game they're out of they're out of town. So they're putting all their eggs in the Justin Fields basket. And that's why I think by week three or week four, Justin Fields will be starting for the Chicago Bears. Just because they don't have enough time. You know, you make the excuse, oh, you know, we need enough time. Nope, you've had enough time. You you had Mitchell Trubisky and you completely flopped it with him. You had I don't know how they were so good that one season. Trubisky played really well that season and just he took so many steps back. I don't understand it. Um you know, this year, you fooled people. You started 5-1. and one. You finished the season 500. You still got into the playoffs, and that game in New Orleans really exposed how bad you were on offense. Entering the fourth quarter, their defense had played pretty well. Their defense had kept New Orleans in check. I only think New Orleans scored about 24, 24 points that game, which is probably around league average. It's not like they lit them up for 40-plus. But... I remember going, I remember coming out and, you know, I, you know, looking at the stats and I was like, through four quarters, the Bears had six punt, no, seven punts to six first downs. That is just completely unacceptable. When you have more punts than you have first downs, that shows you how bad your offense is. And also, so granted, Justin Fields is in a really tough situation here because they still don't have many wide receivers to throw to besides Allen Robinson, and they still have holes in the run game. So, it, And also, they released Kyle Fuller, um, a Pro Bowl safety, Pro Bowl cornerback, excuse me, who was really good this season, so I don't know what they're doing. Um, but it was a good move to trade up to get Justin Fields. I just don't know if it'll be enough to save Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Um, and Andy Dalton can be a good serviceable backup quarterback in the future if he wants to stick around. He'll probably be a little annoyed because he was promised the starting job, but that's just sometimes it. Teams break promises. Okay, let's move on now to Mac Jones now. So Mac Jones went to New England, and Patriots didn't even have to trade up to get their guy. Um, it was 
let, he let he fell to them, and that was the ideal situation for New England, not having not having to trade up and having one of the guys fall to them. Mac Jones is kind of what <clears throat> Bill Belichick I think wanted. I know he had that like disapproving head shake of him at the pro day, but it's the Nick Saban Bill Belichick connection. Saban is re- very close with Bill Belichick, so obviously taking Alabama guy, there's a lot of comfort there. Also, he's kind of like. I'm not going to say he's like Tom Brady, but he has a lot of the same physical attributes as Tom Brady. I think he's a little taller than Tom Brady, and he's a lot, and he's more mobile. I mean, everyone's more mobile than Tom Brady. He's not that mobile, but he's a little more mobile than Tom Brady. And it kind of reminds you of it. You know, the arm strength is sort of, he's got a good arm. It's just lack of mobility. And um, that's a little concerning, the lack of mobility, considering the direction the NFL is going. You don't have a lot, besides Tom Brady, you don't really have a lot of non-mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. You 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 know you think of the top quarterbacks in the game. You know Josh Allen, he can you know he can run. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he has the you know he pulls out those crazy plays. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers can also Aaron Rodgers can also move. Lamar Jackson, we all know what he can do with his legs. Granted, the defensive coordinators are figuring him out, but he still was able to rush for a thousand yards this season. You know, at some point, you know. It's just the new wave of quarterbacks. A lot of them can move. Um, it it, <clears throat> it just it just is Jalen Hurts as an example. Again, he can move as well. Daniel Jones with the Giants. You know, I don't say he's a top quarterback, but he's a young quarterback. He can also run. <laughs> he can also um he can also run with them. Uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow can also move. I wouldn't say Joe Burrow is super athletic, but he can also you know he can get out the pocket and make some plays with his legs. When need be, you know, maybe even Matthew Stafford to some expert, maybe even Jared Goff. You know, a lot of these guys are are guys who can move. Mac Jones, to me, just doesn't seem like the guy who can extend plays enough, especially in a situation in New England where they need offensive line help. So it'll be tough for him to go through that. I think he'll probably be the maybe one of the longer ones to develop. I think out of all the rookies, Trey Lance will have the best season because he's going to the best situation in San Francisco. Um, I can't. I can't believe I'm ever saying this, but New England is not a good situation right now. Yes, they signed John U. Smith, Hunter Henry. Um, they signed John U. Smith, Hunter Henry. They also signed uh, um, Matthew Judon as well. But um, I was really thinking they would maybe get a receiver like Juju Smith-Schuster to really help him out. They couldn't do that. Julian Edelman retired, so it's going to be a tough situation for them. <clears throat> Sorry, it really is. So that's going to be very interesting to see. All right, let's move on now. We've, we've broken down the top quarterbacks. I want to talk about, um, I'm not going to talk about the Giants just yet. That will come later in the podcast because this is, but, you know, because I'm a Giants fan. But let's talk about the, um, let's talk about the Bengals. So the Bengals at the fifth pick decided to take Jamar Chase and not Penny Sewell. Now, I love Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is one of the maybe the best wide receiver in this draft. You can put him head to toe with Devonta Devonte Smith. Jamar Chase has the ability to take the top off off the defense. He can make the short range catches. He can make the tough 50-50 balls. He's got everything. But why the Bengals did and granted he also did go play play with Joe Burrow at LSU for the national championship when they won it when they won it all. But why wouldn't you go offensive line? Penny Sewell has the one of the best chances in this draft to be the to become a Hall of Famer. 
He is unbelievable. He can do it. He can do it all on the offensive line. He's quick. He's got the quick first step. He's got great handwork. He's got great footwork. You want him to run out on block on screens down the field. He can do that. You want him to step back completely and just give your guy time in the pocket to throw, especially Joe Burrow, who's not as mobile as other guys. He's mobile, but he's not as mobile. So he needs a little more time than other guys to throw in the pocket. He can do that too. He was the bread and butter pick for the Cincinnati Bengals and they passed on him. I don't know if whether they consulted Joe Burrow and were like, hey, we're going to do this. Should we take Jamar Chase? Because you guys played at LSU and you have some connection. But, you know, the argument is, yeah, he can take the top off receiver, um, off secondaries and blow him open. But how is he going to do that when Joe Burrow is on his back 85% of the snaps? If you, you draft... You need to protect your future investment. And your future investment is Joe Burrow. You spent the number one overall pick on him, much deservedly, but you spent the number one overall pick on him. You have to make sure he's healthy. He tore his ACL. People don't, re- you know, he tore his ACL because his offensive line was just not good enough. And they have made some adjustments, signing some guys, moving them around the offensive line, but it's still nowhere where it needs to be. Joe Burrow, if he played a full season, probably would have taken the most hits in the NFL. And that's crazy because a lot of people say the Eagles' offensive line was bad, but I think he was projected to take more hits than Carson Wentz. And it's sad to say, but the ACL injury was coming because in the week before, prior weeks before versus Philly, he took that huge hit. He took that other huge hit in that game with Chase Young on the goal line because his offensive line was not good enough to block for him, and he had to roll out. And lo and behold, there it came. No protection, and he completely tore his ACL, and now he's got a nasty, nasty like scab and mark on his, 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 his um, that area. If they needed to learn, they needed to learn from the offense from the from from last season when he tore his ACL, and they didn't, and they passed him. Granted, they picked up a tackle in Jackson Cameron in the second round, who's pretty good, and I don't think it was Cameron actually, but picked up a tackle in the second round, who was pretty good. But Penny Sewell, Sewell was there for the taking, and you completely you completely missed him. And I know he needs more weapons, but it's not like he has no one to throw to. He has a good running back in Joe Mixon. He has a good, uh, you know, he has a a good tight end in um I can't pronounce his name, but C.J. Burkanowitz. He is, you know, he can be a serviceable good tight end as well. You have a good, re- you know, you have a good receiver in Tyler Boyd, and you also have another good receiver who really had a strong rookie season in T. Higgins. So it's not like he has completely no one to throw to. It's not like he's on his own. He has some He has some pieces. So, you know, Joe Mixon also can be the workhorse as well. I just feel like you could have picked up, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, they traded back in the second round. But I feel like if you didn't trade back, you could have taken, you know, you could have gotten a, a good wide receiver in the second round. You know, you didn't need, in the second round, they traded back to get with the tackle. But I feel like you could have still got yourselves a really good wide receiver in the second round of this draft. Now it could have been it couldn't have been Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore went early on. Yeah, Jackson Cameron is who they um is who they picked there. But you still could have gotten Dwayne S. You know, you could have still got a guy got a guy like Dwayne Eskinridge who went later to who went later to Seattle. You could have got you know, so there's op- if you really wanted a tight end, you could have gone Pat. Freemuth, who went to um, who went to Pittsburgh, um, there's a there's a lot of different directions you could have gone, um, and I feel like they really they really are gonna regret passing on Penesul when Joe Burrow is again unfortunately gonna be hurt this season. Also in the third round, there was a lot of wide receivers that 
a lot of good serviceable wide receivers that could be pretty good that when Amari Rodgers was another good one you could have you could have picked up as well. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be really interesting, but I just feel like the Bengals messed up by taking that by take by passing on Penny Sewell. All right, let's move on. The another surprise was JC Horn going in the top 10 to the Panthers. Um I thought the Panthers would go all line here my buddy Tim had them going cornerback, but I'm really surprised that they decided to go J.C. Horn over Patrick Sertan. I think Patrick Sertan was maybe the best cornerback. And remember, granted, the next pick, Denver went with Patrick Sertan, so they traded above Denver because they needed to reach on a guy like J.C. Horn. I don't know if he's top 10 worthy. He's very good. He's very good, but, man, that's a real that's real interesting to see J.C. Horn go in the top 10. And now, is this going to be another Sam, um, another situation where Sam Darnold has no weapons to throw? I mean, I wouldn't say no weapons, but has limited weapons to throw to and limited time to do it in because the Panthers didn't go offensive line help. Um, Slater, Slater was sitting, you know, um, Rashawn Slater was sitting for them to take there, um, and he ended up going 13 to the uh, to the Chargers, but he was there for the taking, and you decided to pass on him. You could have. Yeah, it's that's also a real, a real tough situation. You could have gone wet. You could have gone also Devonte Smith, or who ended up going ten to Philly. You could have gone Devonte Smith to give Sam Darnold some help because you need you needed a receiver. I feel like I feel like you needed a tackle or receiver because Christian McCaffrey is coming off an injury, and I feel like if you don't pick up, if you didn't, if you didn't, I feel like since they didn't pick up a wide receiver and offensive tackle, I feel like CMC Christian McCaffrey is going to run himself into the dirt. But J.C. Horn's a good player. We'll see. I understand why they went with cornerback, but I was thinking maybe if they wanted to go cornerback, they could have traded back a couple picks. Actually, no, they couldn't have traded back a couple picks. No. Maybe they could have traded back one pick with the... With, but no. Um, so J- we'll see. Now I can understand it more as I'm thinking about it. But I still feel like they needed needs at the uh, offensive line position as well because that Darnold had a rough situation with the Jets, and you don't want to give him that. All right. Last thing before we get to the Giants, um, round two, uh, two more things actually. The Steelers drafting Najee Harris, good move for them. They needed a running back, but it's not going to help in like this season because they still don't have any offense. They still need offensive line help. Um, did they suddenly learn how to block better? Again, I feel like you could have replaced, replaced uh, Bud Dupree. I've already talked about the Steelers' potential with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, so I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Let's talk about uh, Steelers. Um, we're going to do round two where the Texans decided to take a quarterback. Yes, the Houston Texans, remember, didn't have a first-round pick in this draft because of some stupid trades they had made. Thanks again, Bill O'Brien. Sorry, Texans fans. I got to remind you of that. But they decided, oh, I'm sorry, was it second or third round did they go quarterback? quarterback? I think it was third round. Let me let me check. Let me just do a yes. So it was the third round. It was the first pick of their draft, and they decided to go quarterback. They went with David Mills of Stan, uh, Davis Mills of Stanford, who is a good quarterback. Who is a good uh, quarterback? He has potential, and it's where you want him. You expected him to go in the third and fourth round, but what does that say for Deshaun Watson? Does that mean Deshaun Watson is gone? Is that mean it's a done deal that he's gone? The Texans have been adamant that we're not going to trade him. We're going to try and keep him as happy as possible. 
and you draft a quarterback, Deshaun Watson is still very young, so you're still going to get a lot of value for him. Now, there's a whole bunch of things going on in his personal life with the, you know, with the allegations, but it's not going to, I don't think that'll affect his football career. He might get suspended, but teams are still going to want him uh, despite his off the field issues. So, I mean, this is a real sign that maybe they have finally given up on trying to keep Deshaun Watson happy and it's it's a, a trade is inevitable because this is basically saying that, you know, this is your guy going forward. So are you going to say he's going to sit behind? You can't say he's going to sit behind and learn from Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson is still really young and you just gave him that huge contract. So are you going to say maybe that you're going to continue to ride this Deshaun Watson situation out for maybe another season to where he gets experience sitting on the bench and then you're going to maybe put him in or are you going to maybe trade Deshaun Watson to a team that has a veteran, maybe trade Deshaun Watson to a team like Denver for Teddy Bridgewater. Then you have Teddy Bridgewater um, be the bridge for uh, for Davis Mills. You have Brimmy Bridgewater play for a season, and then you put Davis Mills in. I mean, this is a this is a move in, in which you're like punting, you're punting the future away with Deshaun Watson. You're basically saying with, okay, our future is coming but it's not with Deshaun Watson. Let's go with a quarterback here. Man, um Houston needs help all over the side all over the field and all over the um all over the uh the place, you know, they need help on the defense and they need help on the offensive line as well. They also need more wide receiver targets because they lost their most consistent wide receiver in Will Fuller along with Deshaun, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins. We all know that, but they lost Will Fuller this offseason to the Miami Dolphins. But yeah, this this is a real this me this is a real sign that the Texans know that Deshaun Watson is probably not going to be a part of their future. Now the question is, how long do they keep him? Are they still you know, are they still fielding offers for him? Are they gonna you know how big is the package that you're gonna you're gonna do now? You know the Lions got two first round picks for Matthew Stafford. So does that mean you're gonna have to give up? And the Seahawks remember got two uh, the Jets got two first round picks from Seattle for um, Jamal Adams. So. Does that mean you're going to have to give up like four first round picks for Deshaun Watson with, you know, one of your talented defensive and offensive players? So like if you're a team like, let's say, let's say the New York Giants want to trade for Deshaun Watson, then I'm thinking you'd probably have to give up four first round picks, uh, um, not Daniel Jones, but four first round picks, someone like James, you know, someone like Leonard Williams and Saquon Barkley and like Darius Slayton. I feel like that's the package they're looking for. But they're but again, but again, you could play the counterpoint that maybe since they're maybe since they've been fielding offers for so long and now they've drafted this quarterback, Davis Mills, maybe the price has gone down on Deshaun Watson. Maybe they're gonna take offers that are not as good as they thought they would get. So it's a really interesting situation. So that's why I wanted to kind of touch on Deshaun Watt, you know, the Texans taking a quarterback, because it really is interesting. Like, you know, the Kyle Trask going to uh, Tampa Bay, that's not, super, you know, that's that's not super surprising because, you know, I, I'm surprised he maybe didn't in round two, but uh, that's not surprising. You know, you have him sit behind Brady, who's probably going to play for another three, four years, and instead of after having Brady retire or the year before then and trying to panic and find a quarterback— you keep Kyle Trask for those three, four years, he gets to learn from the greatest of all time, and then he's able to pluck it in there with an offense that'll still probably have Mike Evans, Mike Evans, guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in there. So good move by the Buccaneers there. Um, yeah. 
So now let's move on to the Giants, the last bit. As you know, as all of you guys know, or somehow if you don't, I'm a Giants fan. So I'm going to take you through what I thought of the Giants drafting in the first two rounds. And to be completely honest, I love it. I really think the the Giants did a good job with this draft. Now, it kind of seemed weird at first. So we were originally scheduled to pick at 11. I found, um, we traded, uh, They traded back to 20 with the Bears. At first, I didn't know why. And I was like, okay, we traded back. What did we get? And then I see we get a, a first-round pick from next year's draft and a couple more picks. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, yes. Because now we have double the picks. So we have a double, a, a double pick in the first round of next year, a double pick in next year's third and fourth round. So we have two picks in the first of next year, two picks in the third of next year, and two picks of fourth in next year. And those first round picks are, re- and those draft picks for next year are really being coveted as valuable for a lot of teams. So maybe if you want to give away one of those third and fourth round picks for another good weapon or a good defensive player, you could do that. There's a lot of options opening up because those picks are really coveted. So this really puts the Giants in a good situation. And then at 20, so that's why I like the trade back. And then at 20, they took Kadarius Toney. And at first I was like, um, what? Who is this? Because I didn't know who he was. I'm going to say this. Granted, I didn't know who he was at first. I did some more research after, and I'm okay with the pick. I thought it was a little bit of a reach before, but then there were tweets coming out saying that a lot of teams had him on their draft board and were thinking of picking him. Because you can't say... It's just not possible to say. I've done it before, but you can't say we could have gotten him with our other pick because we just you just don't know other teams' draft boards. You just don't know how high other people are rated. And I've said that before, but I've come to realize that you don't know what other people's draft boards are, so you can't really say that. So picking Kadarius Tony. Now, a lot of people thought it was a, a reach. It could have been counted as a reach. Maybe he's more of a second-round talent, but... If you look at his his highlights are sick. They're unbelievable. And the first highlight that came up was the shiftiest player in the SEC. I was like, okay, this is pretty good. So here's why it's a decent move, okay? One, it gives Daniel Jones more weapons to throw to. Everyone's been complaining, including myself, that Daniel Jones has had inconsistent weapons. He can be he can be helpful. Now, I don't think he's going to have, you know, a huge rookie season where he goes for over 1,000 yards and becomes Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's not going to have one of those seasons. You know, he's just not because I don't think he's there yet. But if you're keeping Daniel Jones, you know, or if you want, you know, whatever, he's going to be he's going to be a part of the team for a long time, I think, which is good because he has a lot of potential. He has the potential to play. You can play. He has the potential to be played where you want him to. He, they said Mel Kuyper all said he has a nick for catching red zone touchdowns. So that's always good. So you can always do that. And also he has the capability of taking the top off defenses because he's pretty fast. He just needs some work in the uh in working on his route running. And guess who was a wide receiver coach with the New England Patriots before? Joe Judge. So Joe Judge can make so now that it now you make sense. Joe Judge can polish him off because right now he's a bit of raw potential. You know, he's worked on his route running, but he needs a lot more, you know, he needs more work. He really does. He has an extremely high steal, you know, he's an extremely high stealing. He really can go far. The question is, can the Giants build him up, and give him the right advice to make him do that. And I believe they can. I wouldn't have believed in past years, but with Joe Judge being a former wide receiver coach in New England and learning with Bill Belichick, now granted they haven't had the best wide receivers there, but I think I think Joe Judge can do it. I genuinely think he can do it. He was a wide receiver coach 
in New England. He was also Nick. And also, worst case scenario, you, you can put him on special teams and he gives you a dangerous return man. Because the Giants special teams was something kind of weird. Because Joe Judge also did work in special teams. He worked the wide receiver in special teams. So yeah, at the end of the day, I really like, I think this is a good pick. And I think he has a lot of untapped potential. And I think Joe Judge can get it out of him. So that's why I'm okay with the Kadarius Tony pick. Second round, what could have gone better in the second round? Give me a better situation that could have happened in the second round, okay? When we first were there, I, at first, we at first, you know, entering day two, I was like, I don't know about the Kadarius Tony pick. I really don't. This was me on day two. I don't know. Because Aziz Ojolare was there for the taking. Ronnie Perkins was there for the taking. Jeremiah Awusta Korma. Jeremiah Awusta Koroma. I can't say it. Jeremiah Awusta Koroma was there for the taking from Notre Dame. Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma State was there from a taking. A linebacker and e- linebackers and edge rushers that we needed. Also, offensive lineman Christian Derrishaw was there for the taking. But we passed on him for Kadarius Tony. So I was thinking, oh, that could be bad because I think Aziz Ojolare, because I had him going off the draft board in my first round. So I was thinking, oh, there's no way Aziz Ojolare is going to be gone, is going to be there by the time we get to the Giants pick at 10. I, he'll probably go in the top five. I was thinking he'd go to Miami, maybe. And then all of a sudden, they st- all three of them, all three of them start to fall. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is happening. And then we trade back again. And I was thinking, oh my, and I was thinking, oh my God, what are you doing? All three of them were there and we just traded back. This is my original reaction. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Just stay there and pick them. And the worst thing is the trade with the Dolphins. And I, you know, there were a lot of mock drafts going around in my thought process that Aziz was going to Miami. So I was thinking, oh my God, we just traded with Miami. Miami's going to come up and take them, take one of them. And especially Aziz, I really wanted Aziz Ojolari. So I was thinking, oh my God. And they passed on him. I'm thinking, okay. And then at 50, all three of them are there. And I'm thinking, if we just pick one of them, this is unbelievable. This could be the steal of the draft. If we pick one of them here, there is no way this draft could have gone better. And we did it. We picked Aziz Ojolare, and I was so happy. I was so happy. That was unbelievable because that was the pick I wanted at 20 or, you know, at 11 where we were. That was the pick I wanted there. So the fact that we were able to trade back in the first round, get a decent wide receiver who has untapped potential, like I said, that Joe Judge can polish off and he's another weapon and potential big threat player for Daniel Jones, that's good enough. And then the second round, we trade up and continue to build up picks and get another third from next year. And we get the guy that I wanted in the fir- and a lot of people wanted in the first round. And we get a first from trading back from next year. For, with the Bears, you know, for Justin Fields, and we get a first-round pick for that. What is there to complain about if you're a Giants fan? Really, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Dave Gettleman did a very good job with this draft, and I'm really happy with how this draft has turned out. And then also in the third round, we pick Aaron Robinson from U, uh, um, UCF, and that's good as well because we do need some cornerback depth because remember the one game James Bradbury was out against the Cleveland Browns, there was really nothing there. There was, everyone was wide open and it was thinking, oh my God, without James Bradbury, this is nothing. Now, granted, they did sign Adoree Jackson in free agency, but Adoree is suspect sometimes and they did give him, they did give him a lot of money, but 
you know, you can never have, you, you could always be more comfortable with more depth. So he can sit behind, he can look at guys like, you know, maybe even, you know, Jabril Peppers at safety. He can look behind guys like James Bradbury and that and learn from them. And when they're gone after those deals of up and Logan Ryan as well, they'd sign an extension with him. So when maybe those guys are towards the end of their careers and they can't keep up, he can take over and be a, not necessarily, you know, a, a unbelievable cornerback, but a good solid number one or number two cornerback. So it's always good to have someone at depth there. Um, they, I saw that they were picking O-linemen later in the draft. That's fine. These guys you don't expect to start right away. So they can sit back and look when, with what veterans like Cam Fleming do. Hopefully Andrew Thomas picks up as well. So it's gonna be, and I'm, re- it's gonna be a really exciting. It, I'm really happy with the way this draft has gone. But I will say this: if the, I'm putting a lot of expectation, if the New York Giants do not make the playoffs this season, if the Giants do, let's say the if the Giants do not make the wild card game, and I think they need to make it legitly. I think they can't get. In. The Giants need to have a winning record, and get, they should finish nine and eight or ten and seven this season with the extra game. And make the playoffs and win the division. They shouldn't be backing into an eight and nine, seven and ten NFC East crown like they almost did this se- this last season with Washington winning the division at six and ten. That cannot or seven yeah six no seven and nine. That cannot happen. If that happens, I think Daniel Jones is not the quarterback of the future. If the offensive numbers are not there, and his touchdown, his touchdown numbers are low. Now, granted, he, he threw 11 touchdowns last season. And granted, he was out for a couple games. But if the, if the touchdown, if he plays a full season, like 17 games, and he only throws like, you know, 16, 17 touchdowns, I don't think he's the quarterback of the future. I think we need to look elsewhere. And I think Dave Gettleman needs to really take some responsibility for being wrong with that pick. So the heat is definitely on both of them. The heat, and especially off... I think it's maybe a little more off Gettleman now because he made up for it with this good draft. But there's a lot of heat on Daniel Jones this season, and that's all I'm going to say. And that's what I'm going to end it on. Um, thank you so much for listening to the uh, to the podcast. And, um, yeah, have a good weekend, everybody, and I'll see you next week.